Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone, and welcome. We're ready to start the day. It's nice and cloudy and rainy out there today. So I'm enjoying the weather, and we are looking into more of Isaiah, which is a phenomenal book. We're in Isaiah chapter 8, and we're starting Amos today, 2 Corinthians 7. So we've got a lot to cover, and I thought we would jump right into this day trivia, and we'll throw in a, a joke there and a fact of the day. Let's see, September 1st. Welcome to September. September tends to be our rainiest month here. We shall see how it goes this year. We tend to be getting a little less rain this year, at least less in intensity than I remember, but I do remember some very hard rains in September and even one really hard one in October last year. So we'll see how it goes. Joke of the day, why did the housewife return her vacuum cleaner? Well... Because it was just collecting dust. <laughs> Here we go for the quote of the day as well. Sounds This sounds straight out of uh, Washington <laughs> and the politician. I am, uh, this was written, Samuel Goldwyn said, I'm willing to admit that I may not always be right, but I'm never wrong. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So let's look at some of the stuff this day in trivia. Uh, World War II began September 1st, 1939. Isn't that a sad day to try not to celebrate? Germany invades Poland starting World War II. Great Britain and France would declare war in Germany two days later. Also, a lot of interesting things. The... Um, uh, too many dimensions, so I'm just going to speed through these. Hurricane Katrina, 2005, on this day. Well, this is when Michael Brown states that he was unaware that people were trapped in the New Orleans Convention Center, <laughs> although it was all over the all over the TV. And uh, so he got criticized for that. That was a big fiasco in Washington. Um, the Titanic, September 1st, 1985, was found. That's not what it sank. But the remains of the unsinkable Titanic are located uh, in 1985. It sank in 1912. And down here, oh, the first clown college established on the state in 1968. That's important to know. Uh, it was founded in Florida for or by Ringling Brothers, and it had around 1,400 clowns in their school. Pretty cool. Hmm. The 1923 Great Kanto Earthquake in uh, Japan that killed 140,000 people, magnitude 7.9. Now that is like an entire war in one day. Worse, just that's most... Rarely do you get that many people killed in a war, modern warfare anyway. And it left 1.9 people, million people, 1.9 million people homeless. 
first woman to cross America, white woman, sorry, first white woman to cross America, September 1st, 1839, accompanied by her husband. She, interesting. I don't know how, you, how they know that for sure. But um, Fort Walla, she went from Fort Walla, Washington to, doesn't say where, but she crossed the United States. And here, related to that, but of course, different time uh, earlier, at least 10 years earlier, and another one hits close to home for Renee and I. The Santa Fe Trail, September 1st, 1822. Captain William Becknell departs from Arrow Rock, Missouri. He would arrive in Santa Fe, New Mexico on November 16th, establishing a route more suited for wagons. This route became known as the Santa Fe Trail. And I got a little fun story on that. Uh, We lived in Santa Fe, Renee and I, and just below where we lived was an area that I used to um, occasionally go hang gliding up on top of a bluff. And to get there, the only way up to get to the top was to go up the old Santa Fe Trail. It was the original Santa Fe Trail because, of course, it's been paved over and homes and whatever else. But there was a section of it that was still there. And historically, everybody was marked as the Santa Fe Trail. And it was uh, pretty well built. And it had to go up this, this little mountain rise, a very small mountain. Um, and do a switchback, I think. And uh, it just, every time I went up there, I thought about the wagons, thought about how far and what it was like. It's hot and dusty in that part. Uh, But anyway, I thought it was pretty cool. This is how the Southwest got populated and got so much uh, of what we have today came through the Santa Fe Trail. All right, let's look over to the reading for today. Let me find my little... control and get us going we're in isaiah 8 so father thank you for this morning guide us direct us thank you for allowing us to come into your presence on this day and god thank you for the service last night thank you for building us up and giving us insight into your word and for writing those that we have your word that we can understand our heritage and the roots of our faith in jesus name amen Isaiah chapter 8, then the Lord said to me, take for yourself a large tablet and write on it in ordinary letters. Swift is the booty, speedy is the prey. I will take to myself faithful witnesses for testimony. Uriah the priest and Zechariah the sons of Jeberechiah. So I approached the prophetess and she conceived and gave birth to a son. Then the Lord said to me, Name him Meir Shalal Hashbaz. For before the boy knows how to cry out, My father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away for the king of Assyria. Before the king of Assyria. Again the Lord spoke to me further, saying, Insomuch as these people have rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloh and rejoice in resin, and the son of Remaliah. Now therefore, behold, the Lord is about to bring on them the strong and abundant waters of the Euphrates, even the king of Assyria and all his glory. And it will rise up over all its channels and go over all its banks. Then it will sweep on into Judah, and it will overflow and pass through. It will reach even to the neck. 
and the spread of its wings will fill the breadth of your land, O Emmanuel. Be broken, O people, and be shattered, and give ear all remote places of the earth. Gird yourselves, yet be shattered. Devise a plan, but it will be thwarted. State a proposal, but it will not stand, for God is with us. For thus the Lord spoke to me with mighty power, and instructed me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, You are not to say it is a conspiracy, in regard to all that this people call a conspiracy, and you are not to fear what they fear, or be in dread of it. It is the Lord of hosts, whom you should regard as holy, and he shall be your fear, and he shall be your dread. Then you shall become a sanctuary. But to both the houses of Israel, a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over, and a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over them. Then they will fall and be broken. They will even be snared and caught. Bind up the testimony. Seal the law among my disciples. And I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will even look eagerly for him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord have given me are the signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts, who dwells on Mount Zion. When they say to you, consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land hard-pressed and famished, and it will turn out that when they are hungry, they will be enraged and curse their king and their God as they face upward. Then they will look to the earth, and behold, distress and darkness and gloom of anguish, and they will be driven away into darkness. So, Isaiah, interesting, is commanded to have a son with his wife, there, it's it's all a prophecy about the coming judgment uh, that God is going to have on the north and on J- Jerusalem eventually for their unfaithfulness. And I had to look up the name of his son because when you get a name like that and God tells you to name the son, it, it's always for a obviously a, a very good reason. And it means the spoil speeds, the prey hastens. Ma'er Shalal Hashbaz. So it means uh, Israel was, was speedily being despoiled. It was going to be, uh, the hastening was coming of their judgment. And Shir Jashub, I mean the remnant shall return. That was the other child mentioned. And so we have these, basically these judgments coming from God. And God telling uh, Israel that essentially they were going to be judged speedily. Judah would be judged much later. I think up to 100 years later, they would go into Babylonian captivity, but this is the judgment of the Assyrian captivity coming upon them. And again, when you're reading in these prophecies, it's very detailed. And so if it sparks your interest, grab a commentary, look at some of the details, because there's a lot going on there. So Amos now. We're going to dive into a new book. Amos was a prophet who didn't know he was a prophet. <laughs> didn't come from a family of prophets. Um, was sheep herder. He basically 
just a guy, just a regular worker, blue-collar guy, who gets called by God to bring a message. And uh, his, uh, his name, if I remember correctly, means burden. It's because God was raising him up from his birth to have a burden for his country, a burden for the sins that Israel was involved in. He was from Judah, but God sends him up to the north, to the northern ten tribes to prophesy against them. Amos chapter 1, the words of Amos, who was among the sheep herders from Tekoa, which he envisioned in visions concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the sons of Joash, the king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. He said, the Lord roars from Zion, and from Jerusalem he utters his voice, and the shepherd's pasture grounds mourn, and the summit of Carmel dries up. Thus says the Lord, for three generations of Damascus and for four, I will revoke its punishment, because they threshed Gilead with implements of sharp iron. So I will send fire upon the house of Hazael, and it will consume the citadels of Benadad, and I will also break the gate bar of Damascus and cut off the inhabitant of the valley of Avin, and him who holds the scepter of Beth Eden. So the people of Aram will go exiled to Kir, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not revoke its punishment because they deported an entire population to deliver it up to Edom. So I will send fire upon the wall of Gaza and it will consume their citadels and I also cut off the inhabitants of Ashdod and him who holds the scepter in Ashkelon. I will even unleash my power from Ekron, and the remnant of the Philistines will perish, says the Lord God. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Tyre, and for four, I will not revoke its punishment, because they delivered up an entire population to Edom, and did not remember the covenant of brotherhood. So I will send fire upon the wall of Tyre, and it will consume her citadels, Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Edom, and for four, I will not revoke its punishment, because he pursued his brother with the sword, while he stifled his companion. His anger also tore continually, and he maintained his fury forever. So I will send fire upon Teman, and it will consume the citadels of Basra. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of the sons of Ammon, and for four I will not revoke its punishment, because they ripped open the pregnant women of Gilead in order to enlarge their borders. So I will kindle a fire on the wall of Rabbah, and it will consume her citadels amid war cries on the day of battle, and a storm on the day of tempest. The king will go into exile, he and his princes together, says the Lord. Chapter 2. Thus says the Lord for three transgressions of Moab, and for four I will not revoke its punishment, because he burned the bones of the king of Edom to lime. And I will send fire upon Moab, and it will consume the citadels of Kiriath, and Moab will die amid tumult, the war cries, and the sound of a trumpet. I will also cut off the judge from her midst, and slay all her princes with him, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not revoke its punishment because they rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes. Their lies have also led them astray. 
those after which their fathers walked. So I will send fire upon Judah, and I will consume the citadels of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel, and for four, I will not revoke its punishment, because they sell the righteous for money, and the needy for a pair of sandals. These pant after the very dust of the earth on the head of the helpless, also turn aside the way of the humble. And the man and his father resort to the same girl in order to profane my holy name. On garments taken as pledges, they stretch out beside every altar. And in the house of their God, they drink the wine of those who have been fined. Yet it was I who destroyed the Amorite before them. Though his height was like the height of cedars, and he was strong as oaks, I even destroyed his fruit above and the root below. It was I who brought you up from the land of Egypt and led you in the wilderness forty years that you might take possession of the land of the Amorite. Then I raised up some of your sons to be prophets and some of your young men to be Nazarites. Is this not so, O sons of Israel, declares the Lord? But you made the Nazarites drink wine, and you commanded the prophets, saying, You shall not prophesy. Behold, I am weighted down beneath you as a wagon is weighted down when filled with sheaves. Flight will perish from the swift, and a stalwart will not strengthen his power, nor the mighty man save his life. He who grasps the bow will not stand his ground. The swift of foot will not escape, nor will he who rides the horse save his life. Even the bravest among the warriors will flee naked in that day, declares the Lord. Chapter 3 Hear the word which the Lord has spoken against you, sons of Israel, against the entire family which he brought up from the land of Egypt. You only have I chosen among all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Do two men walk together unless they have made an appointment? Does a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? Does a young lion growl from his den unless he has captured something? Does a bird fall into a trap on the ground when there is no bait in it? Does a trap spring up from the earth when it captures nothing at all? If a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people tremble? If a calamity occurs in a city, has not the Lord done it? Surely the Lord has surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. A lion has roared, Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? Proclaim on the citadels in Ashdod and on the citadels in the land of Egypt and say, Assemble yourselves on the mountains of Samaria and see the great tumults within her and the oppressions of in her midst. But they do not know how to do what is right, declares the Lord. These who hoard up violence and devastation in their citadels, therefore, thus says the Lord God, an enemy, even one surrounding the land, will pull down your strength from you and your citadels will be looted. Thus says the Lord God, just as the shepherd snatches from the lion's mouth a couple of legs or a piece of an ear, so will the son of Israel dwelling in Samaria be snatched away. With the corner of a bed and a cover of a couch, hear and testify against the house of Jacob, declares the Lord God, the God of hosts. For on the day that I punish Israel's transgressions, I will also punish the altar's of Bethel, the horns of the altars will be cut off. 
and they will fall to the ground. And I will smite the winter house together with the summer house. The house of ivory will also perish. And the great houses will come to an end, declares the Lord. Three chapters there in the book of Amos. A lot there we could unpack. Sum it all up. God is going to judge the nations that had come against Israel, the remaining nations that had attacked them. But God was also judging Israel for their idolatry. And they were going to, they were going to pay uh, a steep price because of their immorality and their idolatry. God is acknowledging the gross immorality and the idolatry that was going on. And so Amos is sent up there to the north to prophesy and say, guys, you're going down and it's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. And these, these countries going to come against you and God's going to judge you for this idolatry there in Bethel up in Dan. They, they had um, put the um, golden calves and were worshiping them. So God says, because of that, um, you are going to be judged. That's the simplified version. Now you get a lot, there's a lot of detail in there, but we'll just have to move on. Second Corinthians seven. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilements of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Make room for us in your hearts. We wronged no one. We corrupted no one. We took advantage of no one. I do not speak to condemn you, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Great is the confidence in you. Great is your boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am overflowing with joy in all our affliction. For even when we came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side. Conflicts without, fears within, but God who comforts the depressed comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by comforting us, which he was comforted in you, as he reported to us your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. For though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that the letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance, for you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For behold, what earnestness this very thing, this godly sorrow has produced in you, What vindication of yourselves and what indignation with fear, what longing, what zeal, what avenging of wrong. In everything, you demonstrated yourselves to be innocent of the matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the offender, nor for the sake of the one offended, but that your earnestness on our behalf might be made known to you in the sight of God. For this reason, we have been comforted. And besides our comfort, we rejoiced even much more for the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. For if in anything I have boasted to him about you, I was not put to shame. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, so also our boasting before Titus proved to be the truth. His affection abounds 
all the more towards you as he remembers the obedience of you all. How you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice that in everything I have confidence in you. So Paul's letter of encouragement, this is the second letter after the first one, in which he rebukes them for not throwing out this guy who was sleeping with his father's wife. There was immorality in the church. The church leadership was not dealing with it. So Paul rebukes them, tells them, throw him out to shame him so that he might realize his sin so he might be brought back. Now in this letter, it seems to be referring to that letter. Some people think there was a lost letter. Um, it gets very complicated that the the epistle of tears and it, some, most people think it's really included in, um, I think, 1 Corinthians or the first part of 2 Corinthians, can't remember which. But be that as it may, what he's basically saying is, look, I had to write you because there was thing going on in the church that you weren't dealing with. Didn't want to write you. I didn't want to make you sorrowful. But I was happy that it did make you sorrowful only because it brought you to a point of action and repentance. And uh, and that I, I, I don't rejoice in your sorrow, but I rejoice in now you're stronger. Now you're walking in the Lord. And anytime you're in a fellowship, this is something that must take place in a church or the church will die or the church will become not a church. It will become a social meeting place where it really becomes a cult where you define whatever morality is and you just let people do what they want as long as you're playing good music and collecting tithes, you're happy. Uh, but a church is a place where you love people enough that you say, here's God's standards. God has a moral law that we are held accountable to even today. We, again, I'm mentioning this yesterday, and we, we have to keep hitting this because anytime you're in the Old Testament and you want to get the balance, yes, we're not under the law, but that was the, the ceremonial law, but there's a moral law that is still true, still morally sinful to commit adultery, still morally sinful to have any kind of sexual contact out of marriage. And, and so Paul is rebuking them because they were defiling, they were breaking the moral law that Jesus even set down. And and so, but he says he's rejoicing. And his whole point was, Paul has this, this balance in his mind, which is beautiful. He says, look, I'm running because I want you to be joyful and I want to boast about you guys. I do boast about you guys. And he says, look, uh, I, I don't have any other motives. I'm not trying to get money and I'm not trying to get power and I'm not trying to c control you. I love you guys. Uh, I, I just want you, I want to be proud of you and I am proud of you. That's this is the balance. He's a lot like Jesus. He could see them as they were in Christ, but he always dealt with the sin. And so we see this, he rejoices with Titus, bringing him the news, and Titus is bringing him the news that they still have a love for Paul, even though he had to write in that letter, and that's it's always a scary thing, and you see that played out in churches all the time. And uh, you know, you see it on the microcosm with kids. Renee always has to be very strict with the kids when they, when they sin and say that's wrong. And you worry that, oh, they'll never come back because, you know, nobody's been bold enough to tell them that's wrong. And yet the kids come back and they they maintain or their love grows for Renee, for Christ, really. And it, it, they start realizing this is what I need. This is what my life needs. I need guidelines. I need help. I need somebody to help me. This is what the Holy Spirit's all about. So 
beautiful thing, actually, and Paul's writing about this, writing of this second letter to commend them for taking discipline and to just encourage them, let them know that just because we blow it or we make mistakes does not mean that we're outside of God's love or acceptance or, or joy or any of these things. Paul sees them in a very positive light. And so that is the church. We make mistakes. We correct the mistakes. We get right with God. We restore the fellowship. And we're still the affection. We're still the apple of his eye. Charles Spurgeon, Abiding in Obedience in Love, is the title. The verse, John fifteen ten. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. These things cannot be parted. Abiding in obedience and abiding in the love of Jesus. A life under the rule of Christ can alone prove that we are the objects of God's delight. We must keep our Lord's command if we would bask in his love. If we live in sin, we cannot live in the love of Christ. Without the holiness which pleases God, we cannot please Jesus. He who cares nothing for holiness knows nothing of the love of Jesus. Conscious enjoyment of our Lord's love is a delicate thing. It is far more sensitive to sin and holiness than mercy is to cold and heat. When we are tender of heart and careful in thought, lip and life to honor our Lord Jesus, then we receive tokens of his love without number. If we desire to perpetuate such bliss, we must perpetuate holiness. The Lord Jesus will not hide his face from us unless we hide our face from him. Sin makes the cloud which darkens our sun. If we will be watchfully obedient and completely consecrated, we may walk in the light as God is in the light and have as sure and abiding in the love of Jesus as Jesus has in the love of the Father. Here is a sweet promise from a solemn if. Lord, let me have this if in my hand, for as a key, it opens this casket. (laughs) Father God, thank you for that thought and that prayer. And we thank you that you guide us into obedience in this, and you direct us in obedience out of love. You show us, God, that when when we love you with our whole hearts, We understand you and understand your goodness, your mercy, and how you laid your life down for us. You bled for us. You expressed the deepest of all love towards us. Then our response out of love is easy. The the world doesn't like the, the word obedience. But to us, it's simply responding in love, responding in kind, because you came as the servant of all. You came not to be served, but to serve. And you showed us that you're willing to do anything, anything to help us and to reach eternal life and to receive the blessings of our creator God. So, Father, there's nothing that we can't do in obedience for you. Just help us to remember how our response in obedience is always something that is, that is rooted in love and is something that is precious. And it's not like a law of man. It is something completely otherworldly. And we delight in it and we thank you for it. And we receive many riches and blessings from it. So thank you, God. And 
Now, as we think about the rest of the, the week, God, we do ask that you would bless the evangelism team as they go out tonight. May be a rich and fruitful time for them. Give them boldness, God, and let their hearts again be set completely upon you and your love for them. That it not be done out of any kind of uh, self-need for affirmment or uh, to be affirmed or uh, some kind of act of ritual obedience, but it's simply an act out of love, giving out what has been so freely given. Thank you for that. Um, we w- do want to continue to lift up our brother Juan Carlos in the hospital who's just struggling so much. And um, we just pray, God, that you would use people around him to encourage him, to strengthen him, to to bring into his understanding as he can lay there and, th- and spend time thinking how so many servants in the in the Bible suffered for so long and so greatly and for a greater purpose that you were used them so father strengthen his faith help him to understand um we think of people like johnny Harrison tata who was paralyzed in an accident and how she must have thought it was so unfair being so young and people like that let their testimonies and their uh their stories come in to his life so he understands that you work through the broken and you work through those that are sick for your greater glory. So strengthen his faith, Father, and and just lead him, God, down that road where he understands the depth of his walk and his relationship with you. As my friend Ingrid, who had cancer twice, almost died, how she needed that to bring her into a deeper, deeper trust and walk with you. And, and you brought her out of it. So we pray the same thing, same thing for him, that he would come into a deep, deeper and more meaningful relationship with you. And God, we just ask that you would use Letty in that in that whole uh, process to read your word to him and to bathe him, God, to wash him in your word and let your word take the effect to strengthen him, to go in and, and heal as well, to bring healing through your word as she reads it to him. So thank you for them, their lives, and all that you're doing there. We pray for others that are... Um, pressing on and still joyful and don't really complain about the physical ailments they have, those with chronic pain, those who are dealing with cancer, getting treatments, but instead their focus is on service and upon you. They're walking like Paul with that thorn in the flesh, knowing your grace is sufficient. So for them, God, we pray a blessing this day and we pray healing upon their, their bodies but we pray that you continue to develop their spirit and give them strength in character and they would use their infirmities for your glory and for your kingdom. So thank you, God, for them. Thank you for this day. Continue to bless the body, the fellowship, new people coming in, uh, coming into the fellowship. It seems that we are in a time where you're bringing new people, Father, because of the things going on in the world. So May we be a place of refuge, a place where they can grow in their faith, grow in their fellowship, and um, continue to be a blessing and also grow in their service so they can now do outreach and be used of you. So thank you, Father, for a beautiful day you've given us. In Jesus' name. There we go. That'll do it for today. So thank you guys very much for following along. Remember, if you're watching this on YouTube or something, to hit the